Okay, special edition of the Bristol and Bath Lifting Club. This episode is dedicated to Harry, who I'm going to make the presumption is currently walking his dog. And no, that is not a euphemism. He told me that he walks his dog when he's listening to this podcast. He's in the gym at the moment. He's in the gym upstairs. Harry, whilst you are upstairs with Trennis... He is upstairs with Trennis. I know. I, I did see earlier. They're doing overhead press. We're yeah. actually in the basement talking about you. How creepy is that? You'll have to let us know when you listen back. So we're by the title, you've probably already guessed, Harry, what this episode's going to be all about. And it's going to be all about bestowing the virtues of what, Mark? Full body training. Full body training. The one and only. Yes. The truth. Yes. Because if you are, as it is said, if you're not on a full body program, you are a fool. And we do pity the fool. I pity the fool. <laughs> Insert Mr. T voice right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good edit. But yeah, so full body. Pretty, pretty dang good. Hard to beat for a natural lifter. Right. So this is the first thing we need to get to the bottom of, right? Why does no one really understand it these days? Because most programs and most personal trainers that I've met, even the ones that are really famous and write books and shit, Mm. they don't really stick to full body programs. And you have to do a little bit of research, I think, in order to really discover what a full body program is. It's all body part splits a lot of the time. And sometimes maybe one of those push-pull legs type deals. Yeah, yeah. So why, why is it that this is not mainstream, given that it's such a simplistic yet effective... Well, you had like the bronze and silver era bodybuilders who were very big into full body routines. But then from what I've gathered, once drugs hit the scene, mm. they started training body part splits. Yeah. And they would even have a morning and an evening session as well because drugs took over the recovery. Mm. But back before drugs were a thing... All the bodybuilders, all the great old school bodybuilders were training full body routines. So if you look at popular training programs and stuff like that, most of the popular training programs, I'd say from the last decade have all come from, I would guess, influencers in some way, shape or form, whether it would be YouTube influencers, whether it would be people that are writing books and stuff like that. Before that, it probably would have been um, very famous people like Arnold Schwarzenegger that kind of thing um and then before that it would have been very specific to sport or very specific to like you said bronze or silver air bodybuilding so it was a bit more of a a targeted market I would imagine before the Schwarzenegger kind of days your average person would probably be more familiar with more forms of sports related training because that would probably be what most people are nowadays people go to the gym just to look better naked whereas i don't think that was necessarily the case <laughs> yeah, was it back much. then also a lot of people don't know this but schwarzenegger built his base on full body routines he built it scandalous scandalous before he got into splits yeah. yeah a lot of influencers these days they build their base using steroids and sarms and such and yet pretend they don't Nah. They sell a different product, you say. That's the problem, isn't this it? This is the problem. So, and that's what I think that people need to remember is a base. So what would you say a base actually is? Because a lot of people, I think these days, think a base is your first month at the gym, but it really isn't, is it? 
No, it's like your first year in the gym, if anything. It's building that strength base. We've mentioned this before with like certain digits to try and hit in your first year. Mm. But yeah, it's building a little bit of mass and a bit of strength for the training to come. Um, and that's exactly what Arnold did before he got into split routines. So from a strength perspective or a base strength-based perspective, are you saying that that is more about strength standards like if you went on a strength standards website or something like that would that be the criteria or is it confidence or what what would you say is the kind of threshold between doing something as a base building type routine versus something that's like what we'd now probably class as advanced but i think nowadays you'd probably actually be it would be more accurate to call it specific types of training i think yeah i'd say a base is building to a certain standard following a linear progression routine Mm. so your base building phase can be over a year if you're still adding weight to the bar every week to every other week um but for me it's it's always been one plate overhead press two plate bench three plate squat, four plate deadlift, and also a two plate row as well. That's Mm. kind of like a good solid base. And everybody, well, men, I'm not sure about the dudes. You know that's like just 50% of the population. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But for women, it would be a little bit less than that. But for men, for young men, um, that should be able to be achieved within a year of hard, dedicated training. Just following really basic programming, really basic linear progression, adding weight to the bar every other week or so that would be a good base of strength for the training to come. Because once you get past that novice sort of phase, you can start playing around with different rep ranges. You can start to periodize your training. You can even start to split it up if you want. Like I'm currently on an upper lower, but I followed full body for years. Yeah. And uh, full body is still my go-to for many of my clients. Like my wife is on a full body routine. But if you could build that base, that's going to allow you to hit the ground running for the training to come. Hmm. So if there's someone listening, right, that has never heard of a full body program before, full body training, what does that exactly entail? Because that's exactly what I think you're going to be dealing with with a lot of people. They can't really get their heads around, wait a minute, leg days every day? Yeah. (laughs) So I think one misconception with full body routines is that is every single muscle group in the body and it's not. It's primarily the big compound movements that will hit, to an extent, a lot of the muscles in the body. But you're not isolating every single muscle in the body. Like, you're going to train bench press, maybe an overhead press. That's kind of like your pushing movements done. You might train a row and a pull-up. That's your pulling movements. And then you throw in a couple of bang-for-your-buck leg exercises, like a squat and a deadlift or an RDL. There's so many different ways to program full body. But essentially, what put me off it for years was I was under the impression that it was going to take forever. I'm going to be in the gym for like four hours, um, isolating every single muscle, but it's just not the case. The big compound movements will knock out a lot of the muscles from the get-go, and then you just kind of fill in the isolation movements when and if you need them. Um, You can still get in and out of the gym in like an hour and 15, maybe an hour and a half. If you train it properly, you're not going to be in the gym all day. Um, Really, you're just training compound movements for the upper and lower body in the same session so compound movement is uh 
sometimes they're a little bit more technical, but realistically, I mean, you could you could argue the point, given that nowadays a lot of the single joint, what would be classed as isolation movements, when you look at the EMG data and stuff like that, the minute little details of changing things and how you do something can make a big impact on muscles worked and stuff. So I'd say compound movements are movements essentially that use multiple muscle joints uh, multiple muscle joints potentially but multiple muscle groups and you need them all to work together essentially so the bench press is a good example of that now the bench press is something that your typical gym bro might do anyway and that might be one of the only rare compound movements that i'm seeing certain people come into the gym and doing i'm seeing a lot of bicep curls and i'm seeing a lot of cable isolation single joint type movements and comprising that into a pushing that into a program a lot of people think well i'll do a bunch of arm exercises all on one day and that will completely obliterate the arms which is not really what you're wanting to do if you really really are advanced then that might be the only way to really push forward with specific training particularly with bodybuilding where you're maybe wanting to sculpt something so you're wanting to be extra careful to hone in on a very particular part of the arm but i mean your average person's not going to want to do that so there's no point really but yeah full body training programs probably the place to go i made the mistake of not doing a full body training program and i paid the price for it and i hired someone Mm -hmm. who didn't tell me anything about any such thing as full body it was all body part splits and Uh, push-pull legs, push-pull legs. Yep, I had the exact same um, experience. So when I first started lifting at 14, I went straight into body part splits because that's what all the bodybuilding magazines and websites were telling me to do. And it kept me weak and small for a very long time. Um, It was only when I really switched over to four-body routines. And even like before four-body, I I switched to push-pull, which had slightly more frequency. It was push-pull, day off, push-pull, then two days off. But it's only when I really switched to full body and I was training the compounds, taking them seriously, that I really started to grow and my numbers started to increase. And the way I kind of describe this to people is, let's say you do a chest day and you're doing that once a week on a split routine. That gives you four workouts in a month for your chest. So that gives you four workouts to improve, four workouts, four growth windows to grow your chest. But if you're on a full body routine, you might be benching three times per week. Okay, three, six, nine, that's 12 growth opportunities for your chest in a month. And it's 12 opportunities to add weight to the bar. You're gonna grow a lot faster. You're gonna get a lot more proficient with that lift. The, the muscle group's gonna get a lot more overall weekly volume. Um, it's, it's the way to go. And when I switched to that, that's when I really started to see progress. So volume is the key in that when you look at very, very, very smart people, like Dr. Mike Isratel or someone like that, you know, that sort of type of person that looks at studies, they do their own research, they have a lot of experience and stuff like that, and they talk about volume and volume being equated over a working week and all that kind of thing. People can look at a single, you know, body split day, and they can think, well, I'm putting all of my volume in one day. Now, just consider one thing. Consider taking that arm day and splitting that volume up or those exercises up over the course of a week. Now, think about when you're coming in fresh 
and how well you can do versus when you're coming in after doing three or four or five exercises all on the same, essentially, arms um, in the same day. The whole point isn't necessarily just that, okay, I'm just taking the same amount of volume and spreading it over the week. The point is that when you look at full body, if you split and do something such as you're working your chest, your front of your shoulder and your tricep and that by doing a bench press, and then immediately afterwards you do some sort of row, that row is going to be fairly fresh because the bench press isn't going to have impacted a huge amount. Whereas if you went from the bench press and then you went and did a dumbbell press and then you went and did dips, all of which I did yesterday because I was fucking waiting around. <laughs> so I just thought, fuck it, I'll do it. But you know, do as I say, not as I do. Isn't that what they say? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, volume is important, but think about what gets you the most bang for your buck. So now there's something super controversial because Harry's obviously now doing Harry and friends mm. are doing full body routines and they seem to be getting results and making much faster be, progress and yeah. making a lot of faster progress now we've got to broach the controversial point that people just can't get in their minds three days a week yeah WTF three days a week what about six days a week or seven days a week twice a day like big man yeah People really don't understand the importance of recovery. So for body, you're hitting everything three times per week. So that's three growth periods in that week. But you're also getting four rest days where the growth is actually going to come from. Mm. It's, it's really hard to beat. The frequency is high and also the recovery is very high. Not many programs can offer that. But the full body template does. So you've got high frequency with high volume, and you can also train it with high intensity, pretty damn good. And then you've also got very high recovery because you're only in the gym three days per week. People think like more is better. Well, let's take push pull legs. You're in the gym six days per week. You've hit everything twice. Okay, so you've done your push, your pull, and your leg day twice. Well, full body, you've done that three times. And instead of getting one day off per week, you get four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're doing more essentially, which is why you can, when you compare two people and you get them both to do the same thing, essentially you can really see a difference after a month or two, how one's using uh, weights that are a lot bigger for every fucking exercise versus just the other person that's kind of, yeah, they might be making a little bit of progress, but not a huge amount, to be honest with you. It's also about like the quality of exercises as well. So if you take a chest day, you might start with bench and then dumbbell incline, and then you might move into flies because your chest is getting quite tired and you can't keep training these big exercises. Well, on full body, you're gonna take your normal chest volume, whatever you do on a chest day, but not only are you gonna spread it out across the week so you're more fresh going into those exercises, but you're gonna also have better quality exercises. Yeah. Okay, so instead of doing um, a bench press, an incline, and a fly on your chest day. On full body, you might do bench, incline, and bench again. So you're going to get a lot more chest stimulus mm. from that than rather than switching to a fly because your chest is getting fatigued throughout your chest workout. Going into some of the more technical details, because some people are, are quite smart and they do the research and, the, and they will say, oh, I can kind of understand from a full body perspective because I know that the, the when you work out a muscle essentially and you do some damage you tear it down 
you know, and then you rebuild it mm-hmm. at night time because it happens in a fairly light sleep. So not really deep sleep. Most muscle building happens in a, a reasonably light sleep. Um, so you take in the calories, which are like your building blocks. You knock down the old wall during the day, and then the little gremlins come out and build the new wall at nighttime. Is how I equate <laughs> yeah. it when I teach it. Yeah. And then people kind of think that, and they take more of an appreciation for actually how important sleep is instead of just repeating because someone on TikTok or you know Instagram said recovery is really important. One of the also the benefits that people don't actually realise is about the stimulus. Uh, and the signals that go out from the brain because when you do exercise and you really go for it the brain starts to send out a growth signal but that growth signal only goes for about 48 hours so if you consider that you are decimating your chest on a Monday and that growth signal or that heightened state of rebuilding is happening for 48 hours essentially so that means that those 48 hours which is essentially two days is one of those things where most of the growth is going to happen at that point. You know, you could literally put on a graph and see how the body reacts to exercise when you did something like that versus the rest of the week for recovery. Now, if you think about that, you've now got to wait another week to get that extra growth signal that's coming out. So the way in which you naturally fix that with a full body is that literally you're probably training two to three times a week ideally and then every single time as soon as that growth you know signal switches off it's time to train that muscle group again anyway like every other muscle group Mm -hmm. and people don't think about that sort of thing because people just hear about oh i just need to get the volume right as long as i'm doing a maximum amount or x amount by the end of the week that's all that matters which yes that will get you somewhere but when you consider about the quality i think of the work that you're doing mm. is not going to be as quality as is it, it would be if you spread it out a little bit exactly right so that kind of like muscle building process is called muscle protein synthesis and it is really only 48 hours mm. so if you're training for body every other day picture this guys in theory you are always growing because yeah. as soon as your body's ready to go again you're firing up that stimulus Whereas on like a a chest day, for example, if you absolutely annihilate your chest, it's going to be ready to be trained again 48 hours, technically. But you might still be sore because you've overdone it on chest day. So you're still sore, but the muscles have stopped growing. So when would you take someone off of your standard kind of full body training program then? And under what conditions would you do that? So it's, like I said, it's really hard to beat the frequency, the days spent in the gym and the amount of recovery you get. It's very hard to beat. So I would try and get a client to stick with full body for as long as humanely possible. The only time where full body becomes a hindrance, if you have someone who is super fucking strong, and let's say it takes him over half an hour just to do the deadlift section of their workout. Yeah. Well, then you've got overhead press, you've got bench, you've got rows. It's going to take forever, okay? At that point, I would look to split it up and maybe move to an upper-lower where you still train your whole upper body together, but then you train your lower body together. But, you know, if you look at the standard upper-lower template, four days a week in the gym, you hit everything twice and you get three days rest that's still nowhere near as good as full body. 
Yeah, so for those that listen on the Patreon, obviously with every episode it is an extended edition, but we also are now doing write-ups with pictures and all sorts of shit (laughs) underneath. So it's literally, by the time we get to 100th episodes, there's going to be so much information and a massive database that's on there. We've already covered... Uh, Professor Attila, we've covered Eugene Sandow, we've covered differences in dips. There's all sorts of crazy ass shit going on on the Patreon mm. at the moment. And people are joining, which is nice. That's yeah. also good. Welcome to the Lifting Club, guys. Welcome to the official Lifting Club, obviously. You know, the plebs. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're in the outer circle, you know. But if you're on the Patreon, of course, you're on the inner circle, which I probably should have waited for the extended part of the show in order to say that, but oh well. (laughs) (laughs) So there's one thing that I think we should probably broach. It's a subject that I think is going to be quite important. Um, And that is that people do genuinely get addicted to the gym. And I know there's some really great people that their social life and things do, you know, do revolve to a certain extent around the gym. And that means that they want to come and they want to do more training than just, say, three days a week. Yeah. So that can be programmed in and you can navigate around that. However, what you need to be a little bit careful is that what it is that you're putting in as padding. Because if you read any book... Mm-hmm probably 80% at least of the book is going to be padding. The rest of it is going to be the actual super important information. I know whenever I read a novel and I don't get the opportunity to do that too much these days, I'm always like a couple of chapters ahead and waiting for the characters to catch up. It really pisses me off, right? (laughs) Same with some of these Netflix shows and that. But basically, how does someone, if they are taking a standard program Mm. like the I don't know Mr. Still Your Girl program that you can get from the Patreon tier 2 and tier 3 if they're taking something like that and they're wanting to just go to the gym a little bit more aside Mm. from getting a job or something then how would they start to put and program that in? See it's really tricky isn't it because as soon as you start messing around with the 3 day 4 body workout and Mm. you stretch over the 5 days some elements of the program have to change. Yeah. So we mentioned that triangle last time we spoke about the volume, frequency, and intensity triangle. So when one of those goes up, the other two have to go down. So in this case, if you're up in your frequency because you've gone from three to five days, then it either the volume's going to have to drop per session mm-hmm. or the intensity is going to have to go down. So if you're training at, you regularly train at an RP8, um, let's say, or an RP9, so rate of perceived exertion, but you've also got to do some pushing movements the next day, you're probably going to have to bring that RPE down a little bit to cater for the session that you're going to do tomorrow. Um, So it can be done, but it is tricky, requires a little bit of wizardry. What I would recommend is that you do other things on those days. So stick to the three-day-a-week weight training program, and then on your off days, do some cardio, uh, do some martial arts, um, do something else at the gym, but doesn't necessarily require you to actually pick up weights and affect your recovery. To which Harry's probably saying, fuck cardio. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay, so so my I've had to I've had to start to think about this more and more because to be honest with you, most of the time as a personal trainer, people come to you and they want guaranteed results and stuff like that. But most of the time people just do what you tell them to do. Yeah. <laughs> Rarely do you get 
people that are just like, and I find that this is happening more and more and more, that, that the social aspect is coming in, partly because before I was here, I was at Pure Gym and no one wants to fucking go there because they're all miserable. But um, in our gym, there is a social aspect to things. So I can kind of get that. And the two things that I've found that work really well to put in for a supplemental stuff that's not going to impact in a hugely negative way your actual training would be conditioning work and then what people class as skill work. Mm -hmm. Which, again, that's kind of manipulating that volume intensity kind of thing that you're talking about. So the idea is that obviously you would on your proper training days that you'd do proper training, we'll just call it proper training. I don't want to insult, but let's be fair. (laughs) Um, And then on the other days that you come in, you do some sort of conditioning work or you do some sort of skill work. So skill work is essentially practicing the movements and stuff. And people will say, oh, well, I don't really want to show up and I don't want to do like really light bench press because everyone will think I look weak. I'm not necessarily saying that you need to do that, but you could come in and you could practice your power cleans or you could practice potentially uh, like Olympic weightlifting movements because they're very technical and you would do it in a CrossFit style, doing a really, really lightweight. Maybe even invest in some five kilo bumper plates that look like the size of a 20. That's what the professionals do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You can also do like mini mini home workouts. Mm. Um, So something I used to do a lot um, back when I was doing more combat sort of sports, I would be doing things like my core work, my neck work, and my grip work on my off days. So I'm still yeah. training, and you can even come to the gym and do that if you like. I'm still mm. training, but I'm not affecting recovery in any way. Um, so that's something that I was a big proponent of. And you can also do things as well like high rep band pushdowns to help your elbows and prevent tendonitis. Yes, yeah. All sorts of things you can do at home, like face pulls to, you know, help fire your shoulders up for the coming workouts. So use it as prehab. Um, lots of things you can do at home with just smaller home mini workouts. I found those to be really helpful and it kept me, kept me in the gym. So the conditioning side of things, I kind of stumbled on because it kind of it was a light bulb moment for me because I never really heard anyone use conditioning work before. No one said, oh, I program conditioning work because I have people that refuse to leave the gym, basically. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, it was a case of there. I know from a longevity perspective that there are some really, really great you know kind of kettlebell exercises and other exercises i say kettlebells because i fucking hate kettlebells (laughs) so i was just like i'm gonna pick on that um that are really good and really good for the body but if you looked at them and you programmed them in i would think well actually it's not necessarily going to get you what the average client wants it's not necessarily going to get you hugely strong and hugely jacked it's just exercising and stuff that are really good for conditioning the body and good for recovery and stuff like that. So one of the things, of course, would be a kettlebell, squ- uh, kettlebell swing. Mm-hmm. So kettlebell swings are considered by proponents of kettlebell work. Absolutely amazing. And I have bolted them on at the end of training sessions because clients feel after they get involved in a couple of months and we're working with heavy weight, they kind of still want to do lots of exercises. They feel bad that we're reducing the amount of exercises because I know they're too tired to do them. So I shove a kettlebell uh, swing at the end. Mm -hmm. If you did that on your off days, so on your days where you're not training particularly heavy, 
that would have not just the benefit of working muscles and the connectivity and all your connected tissues and stuff like that, but it would also have the benefit of remember it is a little bit easier. It does give you a sweat and it makes you feel like you're doing everything, you know, actually doing something. For those that are that way inclined, they can look quite impressive when you use the 24 kilo kettlebell, which is the biggest one we've currently got in the gym. But also people don't necessarily remember that pushing blood back into the areas that you worked out previously. So if you did loads of squats and stuff like that and you're not really training your legs and you're not walking and you have like a job where you sit at a desk or something actually just coming in on an off day and doing a kettlebell swing that is going to be getting the legs working but not under a heavy strain but it's going to be getting you moving and stuff so that's actually getting blood pumping and when blood gets pumped to an area of the body so does nutrients so that can help with recovery active recovery we call that active recovery so one thing I started doing on my off days is um, strongman work. So ah. I've got a competition coming up and I do plan on competing in strongman long term. So on my off days now, I'll go and practice events training. So I get some good cardio in, I get some good conditioning in, and it allows me to still lift weights without affecting my regular strength-based workouts. And one thing I do for my clients is I try and program them in um, home body weight conditioning workouts in between their sessions with me. Um, again, it allows them to improve their work capacity so the workouts don't kick their ass so much. They can get through the workouts quicker. They don't need as much rest in between sets. Um, and it keeps them busy when I'm not with them. So I'm a big proponent of active recovery or light exercise. or skill. All right, guys, that's it for the regular edition You've got to tune in through the Patreon in order to find out what we talk about next. Link is in the description below. Tune in, guys. See you next time.